Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Friday Night Dinner Podcast. I'm your host, Curtis. With me, as always, is Dr. Stephanie Sarkis, PhD, who you can find at stephaniesarkis.com. How are you today, Steph? I'm great. How are you? Doing great, thanks. How's the weather your way? It's nice out. It's 55 degrees, so it's a little cooler. Nice. And I was just in California, and it was in the 30s to 50s, and it was beautiful out. Nice. So, yeah. So what's it like? Welcome back to the Friday Night Dinner Podcast. I'm your host, Curtis. With me, as always, is Dr. Stephanie Sarkis, PhD. You can find over at stephaniesarkis.com. How are you today, Steph? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing great, thanks. I We were talking about this off-air, but I've been cooking some pork belly in my sous vide. And, like, you can't really smell it because sous vide cooking kind of, like, keeps everything in a bag. But, like, I'm just imagining how well it's going to taste when it's done. So... There's that. You're getting like anticipatory salivary yeah. stuff. And if you don't know what pork belly is, which is totally understandable, it's not the most commonly eaten food in the world. But it's basically like when you have bacon, it's sliced pork belly. So pork belly is basically just like a slab of bacon. And uh, you can cook it. I feel it like I've had pork belly in some Filipino food. Yeah, it's very popular in Asian cooking. But. Nowadays, too, a lot of uh, Western cultures kind of, like, cook it, too. Like, I know here in Canada, they like to cook it with, like, maple syrup, funny enough. So they'll, like, have, like, a maple glaze over top of it. It's just delicious. So. Now, what's Canadian bacon? I mean, I know what it, I know the, what it looks like, but what is the actual cut of meat? That is a good question. I don't quite know. <laughs> and is it called Canadian bacon where you live? Or is it uh, called some other bacon? I think, yeah. Like, I know when I go to the store, I see it. Funny enough, like, I never really eat it that much. Like, I know it's supposed to be, like... I mean, I don't think you have to eat it if you're Canadian. <laughs> like, the funny thing is, it's like, I, I see it in the store, and I never buy it, and I never see anybody else buy it. I'm just like, okay. Like, it's just funny that... For something called Canadian bacon, I don't know too many Canadians that eat it, but... No, because, you know, I found out... Um, well, I mean, I know about it anyway, but uh, Will Arnett was doing, like, a Canadian slang thing for Vanity Fair... And he talked oh. about Canadian bacon. And he goes, I do not like Canadian bacon. <laughs> that's because... I, I don't guess, think I meant when you Canada likes Canadian bacon. Huh? The funny thing is, I always just think it's just ham, basically. Like, that's what it looks like Yeah, that's like, yeah. Yeah, it seems just like it's ham. Yeah. It doesn't seem that exciting. I mean, they use it on, on Eggs Benedict here. But... Yeah. Oh, Eggs Benedict. Yeah, that, that happens. But even then, like, I feel like when I have... Um, you know, I have that. It's, yeah, it's not that far off. But. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I try some pork belly sometimes. It's delicious. And uh, it's like a, just a nice little, nice little uh, food. I also just like that it's, uh, like, the texture of it is just delicious. So, you know, I don't even think you need a sous vide to make it. But if you have a sous vide, it just yeah. makes it so much easier. Because sous vide is just, like, perfect cooking every time. So. I've been getting in the air fryer. The air fryer's best i got one over the holidays and i enjoy it quite a bit even like for some things that are relatively simple as like cooking fries 
like I cook my French fries in the air fryer, and they literally come oh, yeah. out perfect every single time. Oh yeah. So. No, oh, yeah, I've cooked everything in the air fryer. Yeah. I even read something you can make cheesecake in the air fryer because it's basically a convection oven. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's not that far off. No. Um, yeah, it's, it's funny they call it air fryer, but it's really more like an oven than a fryer. Go figure. Cool. Uh, yeah, this is uh, the Friday Dinner Podcast. We talk about Gilmore Girls and food and weather. We haven't even discussed the weather, but it's still... Oh, yeah. It's um, 73 right now. It's really nice out. In a very jarring turn of events. It was overcast when we started it, and now it's sunny out. So our other oh. recording lasts, what, like 30 minutes? So... 30 minutes ago it was overcast and now it's sunny. Go figure. Sounds interesting. Yeah. That happens here though too. We'll have half the streets raining and half it's not. Yeah. It just, well, yeah, I know in Florida when I've been there, the weather can just change on a dime. You have little pockets of rain. Yeah, that you can literally like walk in and out of the rain. Yeah. yeah. You can see like little clouds raining. <laughs> There's also a, a restaurant mm -hmm. in florida i don't know if it's in other parts of the states as well but it's called twin peaks and it's you think it's like the tv That's show a theme all over the country i think oh yeah yeah and it's got the theme it's like themed <laughs> like the show no oh no the one i'm thinking of is just had like it was kind of like hooters it had like really sexy skimpy outfits yeah i think it's a chain okay that would make sense but uh, they could have like done like a two for one and like done the theme restaurant of yeah Twin Peaks restaurant chain yep Based oh Lewis is it Texas. that's that's it yeah mm-hmm interesting yep but yeah go go try some pork belly go to our Twin Peaks restaurant there's a bunch of stuff to try in your life go live your life um but uh, we're also here to talk about Gilmore Girls and in particular. We are talking about uh, the 21st episode of season five, literally one episode to go. And I think it's interesting because this episode leads things off in a very interesting note, I think. Um, but uh, what is this episode even about? Great question. Uh, it's called Blame Booze and Melville, uh, written by Daniel Palladino. And I got to say, this is like a pretty, oh. pretty big episode it's in a, a lot of ways. One. Yeah. And uh, he pulled it off relatively well. So, uh, yeah. Uh, I think I, I'm skipping ahead here a bit, but you kind of Rory gets her performance review from uh, Mitchum Huntsberger and it does not go well. And I think we've talked about this on this podcast various times, how Rory's world is going to come crashing down when she finds out that she's not the hot shot that she thinks she is. And I think this is that big moment. Because... Mm -hmm. uh, but to be fair, she didn't even get really a chance. And that's the thing. I do feel bad for her because, you know, she was she was working hard and she was doing well. Um, and he what even I admits... Think happened, you know how Lorelai said to Emily Richard... He just offered her the internship to pay her off after his family was a jerk to her. I yeah. wonder if that got back to him. Mm, yeah. And that's or why he dropped. If he did it more for the show of show of it. effort. Yeah. 
but not the actual, right. like, you know, for him, it was more about being like, look at this thing I've done rather than actually progressing right. in Rory's career. Yeah, she really didn't do any journalism. She was a, a gopher. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, this is just a really tough episode to watch because I think you see Rory just, in her eyes, she's doing well, and I think she is doing pretty well. Uh, but, yeah, she also just, yeah, suffers. But this the... is somebody with a lot of power and that she looks up to, that has yeah. done things that she's wanted to do with her career and tells her that she's not good enough. Mm -hmm. So... It's an unfortunate kind of set of events in this episode, too, because you really do see that, like, the episode kind of has that shot where it just kind of, like, pans out from her at her desk, and you can tell she's just devastated because this was right. her this was her goal. This is what she's been striving for for, her, like, right. her entire life. Yeah. Yeah. And I think what really, like, really kind of pins it, too, is when he's like, oh, you'd make a great assistant, like an administrative assistant. It was so misogynistic, I thought. Yeah. And also, too, you could tell, like, it just destroyed her. Because, yeah, you know, she doesn't want to do that. Like, no offense to... She's only been there, like, a day or two or three. Yeah. Right? So it doesn't even make sense. Mm -hmm. I thought that was a plot point that they had to throw in there, but I thought it was poorly crafted. I could see if, you know, she was actually on the job <laughs> doing interviews, and they felt mm -hmm. like her work wasn't up to par. But just to have her there for a couple of days and they give her basically like, you know, paper shuffling stuff to do. I mean, she looks like she's working harder than other people there. Yeah. I think, too, like, uh, it, I, for me, I find it interesting that, like, no matter how hard she, she tried, it was probably always going to be a lost cause because, you know, he didn't do it because he saw her value as a reporter. He did it because, you know the family, you know, insulted them. They want to keep in good with Emily and Richard and all this other stuff, but he doesn't, like, that's as far as his goals are for this is to basically keep right. up pretenses. But right. once those were, were kept up, he's like, I'm done. I don't need, I don't need you here. Like, you're, you know, so, yeah. I, I fulfill the purpose of this, yeah. I can't remember if she was let go or if it was just, like, a bad peer review. No, he was, she was let go. Okay. I was trying to yeah. remember that. If That's what it sounded like. Because I was trying to think, like, maybe he just told her that, and then she just kind of, like, just got up and left. But, like, maybe it was a little bit on her. I'm not sure. I, I got the impression that he was like, you just don't have what it takes. Yeah. And it's just that was that. Yeah. I mean, it would have been interesting if she just was like, no, I'm going to stick around. I'm not going to leave. I actually wondered if she was going to do that. Yeah. Because this is not a person that takes no for an answer usually, right? Yeah. So, I and then I was thinking, well, but then she's also dating his son, so how is that going to work? You know what I mean? Like, if she just, like, yeah. refuses to leave. <laughs> um, but, yeah. I mean, uh, I think this episode's really important in a lot of ways, too, because, like, this is kind of... Uh, a big breaking point for Rory. Like, she's put up a lot when you really think about it. She's put up a lot with her personal life. She's put up a lot with her school and compromises and stuff like that. But ultimately, she's kind of been like, I'm going to be this, blah, blah, blah. It, it, I do think that there's a part of it that is her thinking a little too highly of herself and this being her be brought back down to reality. But even on the note of, like, she she's put up so much, like, 
you know, to the point where as much as we don't like Dean and you know us, we're like number one on the we hate Dean train. But, uh, you know, she like basically the part of the reason she broke up with Dean was, you know, because of that was her path in life. Same with Jess. Right. Like, you know, there's a lot that she's put up with in her life. And to find out that like all those sacrifices, all those things that you've done are in vain, it's 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 got to be destroying for somebody to kind of come to that realization. But the other thing is, well, I think it. I think here's where the part of the issue is too, is that she's been enabled by her grandparents mm-hmm. because a lot of people would say, you know what, this is devastating. I'm gonna take some time to process this and you know, heal from it, and then I'm gonna keep going out there because one yeah. guy that yeah, he's got a lot of power. But what does he know? You know, but she just falls apart to the point where they go to steal a boat. And that's where we get into uh, what I think is going to be a really pivotal point for Rory, which is, yeah, she she acts out. She rebels and in a very serious way. I mean, taking a boat. I mean, we'll we'll find out what the repercussions are for that, but it's not going to be good. So, right. Right, but and I'm assuming there's gonna be some showdown between the grandparents and Hotspur. So maybe. But and then they're gonna realize that you know that they've basically failed her. Because you know she if if somebody one person says no she's done and again this is somebody with a lot of power but at the same time what happened to her ability to be resilient? I mean yeah. I'm not saying she doesn't have a right to be upset because that's pretty devastating but. I don't know if she's going to bounce back. Well, I hate to say this, but like when I was in university, there were people that like kind of faced obstacles kind of not too dissimilar to this and they just quit school. And uh, there'd be times you just go into class and you'd be like, oh, where's that guy? or Where's that girl? You realize they Mm -hmm. they left and they're not coming back. So, yeah, I I just think this is a, this is an episode that's got a lot going on in the sense that like when you really think about it, this is kind of a big breaking point for Rory and what she's, you know, been kind of striving for this entire time. So. Mm-hmm. And then uh, the article comes out. Yes. Which also, I mean, there's a lot of uh, stuff going on for uh, Rory, but she's not the only one. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. The article came out. And I was under the impression maybe they were going to clean up the article. I kind of forgot that they don't, but so I was like, oh, well, they definitely. I thought they would, yeah. And you would think, too, that it's just, that's just not a good move to write that about Emily. Yeah. As a publication. Yeah. But I was a little surprised that they still put it out like that. Because she asked her to not put it out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I was under the impression they were, that was kind of like where they left things. But I guess not. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, this seemed like it was kind of brought up out of nowhere because this was like three episodes ago that this happened, right? Or two episodes ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, and also to you've got Kirk trying to take the Tweakum House or Twitchum House, whatever it's called. Uh, this was great because yeah. now we know why he works all those jobs. <laughs> uh, they laid it all out. They're like. He's like, yeah, I've worked like 15,000 jobs. I save everything that I make. And yeah, I've got like over $250,000. And he's lived at home, so he's been able to save up. Yeah. yeah. So. I just thought that was great. Yeah, and he's and he's very serious about it. In fact, he tells, he's been digging into 
um, Luke's financial history. Mm-hmm. So we see him kind of take on this side that I didn't know he had that in him. Yeah. But he's like, yeah, you're you're a credit risk or something. And he's like, how do you know that? And he's like, well, you give the, you know, if you have money, you have give money to people, and then they tell you the stuff. You know, I was like, wow, Kurt. Yeah. Not you, Kurt. Kurt, not Kurt. Right. Um. Yeah. Yeah, because he just has a quarter of a million dollars in cash laying around. Yeah. Well, and you know, it is kind of funny because like we've we've always made jobs or made jokes about like his like where like how like how much money does he have and just, they're like yeah no he's got all this money but <laughs> he ends up not getting the house so right. yeah the, just the because town... the people now who was the guy on the bench with the and the sauna who was the guy with a towel over his head i don't know he was like one of the town elders but like why I was wondering if it was like some famous actor or if it was I couldn't figure out why it was like a thing where they're covering up his face or if it's Daniel Palladino. You know what I mean? Like I didn't know what the purpose was of Oh, it's interesting. It could have been Daniel Palladino. Or if it's in the trivia. Maybe. Town elders were all played by older actors, but not by him. So, there you go. Uh, yeah. And then well, we have um, uh, Suki going into labor. Oh and, yeah. And this was interesting to me and also i was like what somehow she's able to arrange a, a vasectomy for jackson without his consent yeah that was which i thought was a very weird plot point yeah it did feel like it didn't it like what's that about that she just scheduled that and he was just like okay well that yeah. seemed very over the line to me yeah i think it was kind of like uh-huh she just doesn't want to have kids anymore and i'm like it's not really her call to make it's his body right and you know i hate to say this or front out but if it was flipped the other way around it would be much more outraged than this right right absolutely so. and then laurel i think she might be pregnant because she just had sex two days ago and that was i'm like thinking wasn't plan b available then because she does not want to be pregnant yeah also i was like uh yeah i was just like you would like you would probably have more of an inclination than just oh it's been two days since i had sex so i must be pregnant I'm right. like, do you know how this works i mean i'm pretty it sure it seemed like almost like she needed the attention that that Soki was getting hmm? yeah well i mean it is a daniel paladino episode it would not surprise me if that man didn't know how pregnancies work so It just, you just never know with that guy. 
Um, yeah. Um, oh, and then also, too, Emily got a ballet dancer. Yeah, Pola. Who, yeah. So this is Emily splitting, so this is a narcissism thing. Um, and you see this in other personality disorder. Splitting is like you either think people are great or they're terrible. So she went on and on about how great Pola was. And then all of a sudden you find out that she got rid of Pola and replaced her with a male ballet dancer. And she said how, how terrible Pola was. I mean, that's very much like how a narcissist works. You're either on their fabulous list or you're less than zero. Mm -hmm. So that was really true to form, I thought. Yeah. Okay. That uh, was also nice that when Lorelai stood up, the ballet dancer stood up because you know manners. I thought that was a nice little addition too. Yeah, that was. Kind of, it made sense, all things considered. Mm -hmm. So. Cool. Uh, who's your favorite and least favorite performance from this episode? Uh, I didn't really like Lorelai or Luke in this episode. Hmm. Uh, favorite episode. Or favorite episode favorite, favorite person i i really couldn't i didn't really have one i didn't think anybody really stood out what about you mm, favorite i mean I, I i don't usually choose rory but i did like rory this episode i thought she was pretty you good you didn't like Rory? Huh. no i did i thought she was my she was the best performance this episode because uh... she had a lot going on with the you know being let go from the newspaper. Uh, she did do a good job, like being somebody that like really is excited about their job, and and then just having that taken away. Like mm -hmm. I don't know, she, it was not like the most crazy performance ever, but I thought she did it well. So, uh, and then least favorite. Oh gosh, there's a few. Um, I don't know. I guess I would say. Uh, probably Lorelai, yeah. I mean, mm -hmm. hers was just a little bit off, it felt like. And especially, like, the mm -hmm. stuff with, like, the two-day pregnancy and all that. I was like, no. Right. You, you would know better. Especially right. considering she's been through a pregnancy. I was just like, what? No. Right. And she's like, oh, no, I forgot. And I'm like, yeah, that's not how that works. Yeah, I'm pretty sure you would not forget something like that, but. Right. Again, Daniel Palladino wrote this. That, that seems like his touch right there. Uh, favorite reference from this episode? I like the, um, yeah, Pola was the first ballet dancer at the house. And, um, she's the one with the magic eight ball. And Emily says, you know, do you mind if she has it? She's like, yeah, why not? And she goes, whatever Pola wants, Pola gets. That's a great line from Damn Yankees, which is a stage play in a movie where okay. it's whatever Lola wants, Lola gets. Mm -hmm. And the premise is, is that Lola is a demon dressed up like a like a, a beautiful woman and so she's trying to figure out like how to like act like a human <laughs> it's really good like um, if you watch the Fosse miniseries um Gwen Vernon uh was uh Bob Fosse's <clears throat> wife and she's in Damn Yankees playing Lola so it's a great movie and great play but anyways yeah I thought that was cute that they added that whatever Polo wants Polo gets that's one of the main songs from that movie. Yeah. And they actually act out one of the one of the parts from it in the Fosse. I think it was on FX, the Fosse um, miniseries or series. Okay. 
Um, yeah. Favorite reference. There was like a Jimmy Carter reference in this that was pretty funny. Most okay, people... this I had to chime in. I, I probably name drop a little too much, but Rosalind Carter is one of the nicest people I've ever met, ever. Like, you talk about Steel Magnolia. She is like, she's amazing. Mm. And so it's so funny that they said something about, about, you know, Rosalind Carter being like not nice or something. Yeah. Because she is like one of the nicest people. Yeah, I think that was, that was, it was kind of like this thing of like, oh, Emily knows something about her that you don't kind of deal. So that was kind of funny. Mm -hmm. um, right. And I'm like, that's, it's so far off the mark. I thought that was hilarious. Yeah. Because, yeah, Emily says, I did not force Jimmy Carter out of his room at the hotel. And Laura says, oh, see, now, I thought that was a amusing anecdote. And then Emily says, I did not get into a quote-unquote bitch fight with him. He's an ex-president. It was that insufferable Rosalind. But, yeah. Right. Yeah, was, I, yeah, typical Emily, though. But I like that they kind of tied it into Jimmy Carter. I thought it was a nice little reference there. Mm-hmm. Uh, favorite quote from this episode? Do you have a favorite quote? Like, whatever Polo wants, Polo gets. Yeah, this is true. Um, oh, and DAR, we do not have people with tire irons in DAR. <laughs> I just want to clarify that for everyone. Yeah, that, that, that was just like... It's not a service we provide. Yeah. No, no. As, as would probably be expected. I don't think people would be expecting tire irons like that. No. And wow. and the other thing is too is that this this bugs me about movies. It's it's frustrating. Is why couldn't Rory just say to Logan, "Your dad fired." How easy would this be? Your dad fired me from the paper. I'm upset. You know, it's like one of these things that happen. It's like this trope in movies or and shows is like, I'm not gonna say the obvious thing so we can drag this plot out. Mm -hmm. But why not tell him, "Hey, your dad just fired me. That sucks." I mean, why not? Yeah. Just be honest. But mm -hmm. I think instead she just lashes out. And yeah, it's like, yeah, mm -hmm. not quite the same. She just temporarily loses her mind, yeah. Mm -hmm. um, but also asking him to leave his, his sister's engagement party. I mean, he went of his own accord. Yeah. But still, I was like, oh, you're asking him to leave his family thing. Yeah, that felt a little weird. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. I can also see why she wouldn't want to hang out with him either. Yeah. Uh, my favorite quote was probably the, the Jimmy Carter thing. I was thinking about. I can't think of another line that I thought was better than the Jimmy Carter one, but technically it's a reference. Mm -hmm. But I'm gonna say it counts for both. Mm -hmm. It was a good one. Uh, kind of seems trivia for this episode. There is, uh, not too much. Although Luke uh, says he hasn't been drunk in years, however, uh, back in season four, episode thirteen, he got drunk. So, yep, I was wondering that. Yeah. So when I talked about last episode about how he and Laura like compliment each other, so mm. he kind of brings logic and calmness, and she does things like takes him to New York, and he has a good time. Yeah. So she kind of helps him, you know, loosen up a little bit, his boundaries a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Not his boundaries, but you know what I mean, his comfort zone. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's pretty much it for, for that. Um, any mental health observations about this episode? I'm sure Mitchum gave you a lot to work with. Yeah, I mean, a typical person that has a lot of control stuff going on. Um, 
the way that he treated um Rory was I understand the gist of it, but it seemed like it was done in a particularly cruel way. Mm -hmm. um, and I didn't really get why, because if there was something that she did, but mm -hmm. it's, so he, it's almost like he set her up to fire her. So he hires her because, you know, he's trying to, and then she basically says no to him. And he's like, no, no, no. You know, this isn't about that. You know, even if it's because of that, just, you know come along anyway she fits in she does everything great and then when he leaves he fires her it just makes no sense to me but he was also talking about you know like oh well they get minimum wage and then you know 10 percent commissions or they complain about so you i would think that yeah you know, and she's not even getting paid so it isn't i was thinking maybe it was about the income or the cost of it but she's not even getting paid yeah so what's the pro it just seems so outlandish for the script Mm -hmm. you know, or for the premise of the show. Um, and then the professor calling her out on what book she was reading, because, you know, she's trying to get to know Huntsberger, and so she's reading about wine and whatever else. Mm -hmm. And the professor called her out on her books in front of the class. I'm like, that seems inappropriate. Yeah. So there's a lot of stuff in this that seems, yeah, that Daniel Palladino, like, takes things up a couple notches, and sometimes they just don't, they don't fit. Um, and that's one of them. But it's... um. There's also Rory enabling Lorelai with the shopping. Like, I didn't get that. It sounded like Lorelai buys stuff and then returns it and then wants it again. And then Lorelai gets it for her. And I'm thinking, at what point do you just say no? But she mm -hmm. did set limits with her when she wanted to come to dinner. Um, in the previous episode, she did say, you need to call her yourself. So we see a little bit of, of limits being set with her, but also a little bit of not limits being set, depending on what the thing is. Um... Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I, I think also, again, Emily's in rare form, you know, picking and choosing which person she wants. I thought that thing about picking the ballet dancers was a little creepy. Yeah. Um, seemed a little inappropriate. Um, so, yeah, so that's about it. Mm -hmm. All right. Uh, I think it's time to give this episode a rating. What would you give this episode a score of? I think it was seven. It was better than the last episode, but I think that some of the plot points were a little not... They weren't feasible. Right, what do you think? Mm, I, yeah, I gotta give this one a high score. I think, uh, I don't know. I think this is one of the episodes where, interestingly enough, I felt sad for Rory, but also she was kind of unlikable in this too. And it was interesting mm -hmm. that like, she, she balanced those two elements so well. Uh, mm -hmm. And... I don't know, I just thought it made everything that was going on with her really compelling. Uh, and I think, yeah, like, this is the first, first time she's really encountered a big monumental failure. And, like, it just, just destroys her. Like, she can't handle it. Mm -hmm. um, I, I just thought, like, as a Rory-centric episode, this was a great episode. I think a lot of the other storylines or subplots were like, eh. I kind of wish they put more attention on Rory and not on everyone else. Mm -hmm. But I think in a show like this, they kind of like to have like a bunch of different storylines and not just mm -hmm. focus on one. So it's kind of the pitfall of the show where like I was wanting more Rory, but instead they were like, well, let's come back to Kirk and his wanting to get this house. And I'm like, okay, right. that's like, okay. But like, I think they could have done more with Rory in this episode. So I give it eight out of 10. I thought this was yeah. actually quite, episodes. yeah. 
This was, this was a good one. Well, Steph is over at stephaniesarkis.com. Gaslighting is her book, and Talking Brains is her other podcast. And I'm over at threeingreennerds.com, where almost every other day have new content going up. And we'll see you all next time for the season finale. Bye for now. Uh...